Today, I am so excited um, for what God is about to do. Um, one of my dear friends, Brad Lawson, he's the pastor of Two Trees Church in Ventura. Um, they are like one of our closest relatives in ministry in regards to um, churches that are churches and movements up the coast, down the coast of California that um, are just passionate about the presence of God and hungry for the word. And um, anyways, we've spent a good amount of time together and um, have gotten to write some songs with their worship team. And anyways, I just love Brad a lot and excited for him to bring the word today. Um, So let's give it up for Brad. Yeah, I brought some friends with me. They're back there. I call you all by name, but it's going to take a minute. Um, thanks for having me. Is everybody good? You having a good Sunday? You guys ready for church tonight? It feels like it. Worship was insane. Where's Danny at? Where's Danny? Do you walk out? My goodness. He's just like a genius behind that guitar and that microphone and the whole team. It was unreal. So thank you. I've been a friend of Jason and Holly's for a while. Um, Jason's sister, Melissa, nearly two years ago, we set out on a vision, 2020, right in the middle of, obviously we all know, I don't need to go into all that. We decided in prayer, we're having these like underground prayer meetings and we just decided it's time to step forward. It's not a time to step back. And so we put, well, I guess I put my name on a million dollar lease on this massive 17,000 square foot warehouse in the city. And in the time you're like feeling like a radical, you're like, we can conquer the world, you know? And then you walk in you're going, wow, okay, so we got to work with the state of California to get this thing open now. And so two years later, we have yet to break ground. Um, But, you know, we're encouraged. It's going to happen. That first Sunday, we opened it up for everybody. Uh, A family came, and uh, they were a really nice family. And the mom's name was Melissa. And she said, I've been invited by three different people to your church this week. And she said, and last night, I had a dream. And... In this dream, I was led into a certain warehouse, and I was introduced to my family. And she said, so we're here. And I said, well, welcome to the family. And so we formed a friendship. About two weeks later, she says, hey, I'm actually, my actual family's in town, and we'd like to come and visit. And I'd like to show them the warehouse. And so I said, well, let's go. And so I go open it up on a Saturday, and then comes the white van with the family. And it was amazing. And so uh, I got to meet Jason and everybody. And then Jason and I have began to basically first Monday of the month, every month, we go to coffee together. So we meet somewhere in the middle between Santa Barbara and Ventura. And yeah, that's how I got involved here. So thank you for having me. Um, I'm just going to go for it. You guys ready? Did you come hungry? I'm pretty raw. Hope you guys are ready for this. You guys are... Very cool and nice people. I come a little bit unfiltered, just so you know, so I don't want to offend anybody. But um, first thing, I was feeling, we're like five for five, just being honest with you, on prayers for jobs. Does anybody here need a job? <laughs> like a few of you? I'm going to ask you right now, if you need a job, stand up, and let's lay hands on them right now for a job. Let's do this. Let's get some work done. So uh, 
If you've been praying over a job, there's a man back there. And if you're on my team, come and pray over somebody, lay hands. We're just going to, this is three minutes. We got to get some work done. People need to get to work. Bills have to be paid. Things need to happen. So we're going to say right now, just pray alongside me. Lord, open doors. Open doors. Supernatural favor. We ask, Lord, that you would set each of these people apart, Lord, and give them just a distinguished spirit in the, in the job status situation. Lord, we ask that they get off the couch, they do as many applications as possible, Lord, and as they knock on doors, like Ecclesiastes tells us, you sow in the morning, you sow in the evening, and you don't know what's going to come, but Lord, we know that if we go to you, you say we have not because we ask not, and right now I ask on behalf of everyone here that you would open up doors for jobs. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! That's it. We're like five for five this week. We had people texting us, and on the way up here, we had somebody. We literally at church today, this lady came for a job. Uh, she said, I've got this big interview, this whole thing, and I need you to pray. There's like 100 candidates. And so Jemmy and I prayed over her, and she texted us an hour later. She said, the email just came, and I'm one out of 100 candidates that just got selected. And so it was absolutely awesome. Thank you, God. Let's go. Um, Let's pray again. Lord, we invite you right now. There's a lot that I have prepared to say, but Holy Spirit, we make room for you. Come and grab a hold of what's been prepared and just multiply it. Cause it to be more than what I've prepared it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I think the last time I was with you guys was about a year ago. Dan Moeller and Ryan Ellis event. How many of you were there? That night was awesome. It was my first introduction to this community, and it was super, super powerful. Um, I actually had two very, very big spiritual moments that night. I was in prayer, and it was in between a song, and obviously I don't know the set. I'm just like you guys. I'm sitting out. In the, in the seats, and um, I had my eyes shut, and I began to see this incense stick, like, burning in front of me, and I was, like, fixated on it with my eyes shut, and then right as I realized, oh, wait, wait, this might be from God, Ryan started singing, day and night, night and day, what incense, you know, you could probably get up here and sing it, um, and I was going, whoa, that was from him, and then at the end, Dan Moeller asked us to pray healing over people. How many of you remember that? And um, I was a little uncomfortable at first. I'm like, all right, because he gave us 30 seconds to pray healing. Do you remember that? I'm going, you should, 30 seconds. Like, all right, let's go for this. He's bold. I'm following his lead. And so uh, he said, if you're sick, stand up in the crowd. And this lady stands up to me with like a bandage around her neck. I don't know if you remember, any of you know this. Do you remember her? So she... Uh, I, she, I go over to her, he says, go lay hands on him. And I think it was 30 or 60 seconds he gave us to pray. And uh, I said, okay, so what's going on? She says, I have Graves' disease. And I have this enlarged thyroid. And she, um, 
I said, okay. I said, well, I'm a pastor from Ventura. It's my first time. I said, I'm just going to align with Dan, and we're going to pray a bold prayer over you. Are you okay with that? She says, please. I've got no other answers. So we lay hands on her, and she starts getting rocked in this 60-second period and, like, falls down. She's like, ah, and she takes off her bandage, and literally the tumor shrunk or whatever was on her thyroid shrunk. And I was tripping out. She's like, where are you from again? I said, Ventura. She goes, my husband and I are about to buy a house in Ventura and we've been looking to move and I've been praying over a church. And what's crazy about this situation is like a month ago, because I never heard from her. I was thinking, okay, you know, people say a lot of things. It's all good. Like we don't hold on tightly to people. We don't control anybody. And so about a month ago, a lady comes to the front because we're meeting at the Ventura Theater, downtown Ventura right now, while we're waiting on the city of Ventura to get to work. Um, but uh, we, she come, this lady comes up and she says, hey, my name is so-and-so. You may not remember me, but you prayed over me and I finished her sentence. I said, Dan Moeller. And she goes, yes. I said, is it still gone? She goes, yes. <laughs> like, so she, I guess she had been, she went to Ventura and I guess, I don't know. I try not to take it personal, but she tried every church in the city before she came back to us just to make sure it was God. And she goes, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I literally tried every church in the city. I'm like, well, feelings are hurt too late. Um, and so anyway, she uh, came and I said, just kidding. We love you. We're happy you're here. Welcome to the family. But um, that's my latest. I love this. And actually, uh, we have been hanging out with Mark and Danny in the C train. So that's been really fun. The C trains? Is that what they are? The the music C trains? Yeah. Is that what they are? Yeah, we've been there. What are they? Storage containers? Okay. There you go. There's. Okay, but that's fine. I call them C trains. I don't know. Maybe I'm off. Um, so when I was 23, when I was 23, I was in a hardcore rock band on unemployment. I was raging against the machine. My um, dad was in jail doing about 10 years, I think, was what he got sentenced to for kidnapping and drug deals and all this stuff. My mom had just got out of jail previously the last four years. We would take her sandwiches on the streets while she would uh, talk to invisible people. And, uh, you know, my life was crazy. I just want you to know a little bit about me. And um, without going into all that, because of the whole testimony thing, and I do have a teaching today, I was at work one day, and I was at the counter, and I was in this band, and outwardly, I was pretty, pretty solid. I was surrounded by people, always went out, had someone buying me a beer or whatever. And I had a guy at this job walk up to me and... He was a person of prayer I know now, and I didn't even really know what that meant at the time, but he walks up and he says, Brad, I've been praying for you. I said, okay. I said, what's that do? And he said, well, I've been praying, with you, praying for you, and God told me that you're going to be a pastor. And I laughed at him. I literally laughed. I said, well, he has a lot of work to do because I don't believe in him. He said, well, he told me he's going to give you influence and you're going to be a pastor. And this guy loved on me and loved on me and loved on me. And then I was 
basically like staying at friends' houses or living with my girlfriend or whatever, just couch surfing or whatever in my early 20s. And one night I went to bed and I was sober this night and I had a dream. And in this dream, I was in the room that I was sleeping in and I levitated up off this bed and I was being drawn towards this window. There was an actual window in the room. And as I got closer, the window burst into flames on me. This is a legit thing. As God is my witness. I will not say it if it's not true. And this, I mean, it was vivid. Like I had done mushrooms and it was more vivid than that. I'm being honest with you guys. And, um, and now I'm being drawn to this window and I began, like my body hair began to singe off and all this stuff. And I was starting to panic, having hot flashes as I saw a picture roll of my life. And I was in this band and I said a lot of very, very blasphemous things. I was dedicating songs to Jesus. I was making fun of Christians. I was doing a lot of really, really dark things. And I, I scream out in this dream. I say, I don't want to die. I want to live. And I woke up. And I was like filled with sweat and just like, oh my God, what just happened? And I heard the audible voice of God say something very specific to my life in this music scene. And it freaked me out. It didn't go back to sleep. Next day, I go to our band. And now I had spent basically my whole adult life up to this point, you know, from high school on, just bagging on Christians, making fun of people, the whole thing. And um, I walk into my band. I'm like, hey, guys, I got to tell you something. God's real, and he spoke to me last night, and I had a dream, and I need to change my life. They're like, shut up, dude. You're crazy. I'm like, no, hear me out. He's real. And I woke up, I told him the story. Here's what happened. I woke up, and I heard this voice out of nowhere. There was no one in the room, and it said this very personal thing to me, and I've got a problem on my hands. (laughs) We had this massive show at this festival called Freak Fest, and we were playing with all these like radio bands and It was just a wild, like, we were not the main attraction, but we were a part of this whole thing that was very, very dark. And I I said, I've got to change the lyrics to this certain song. It's too blasphemous. I can't do it. And uh, they were like, I go, this was from God. I have to change it. So I changed the lyrics. uh, And the rest is history. I began to have, over the course of the next four to five years, encounter after encounter after encounter after encounter. And now almost 20 years into this, we're still having encounter after encounter after encounter. And all the people when I first got into church that were saying, oh, the fire's going to burn out someday. You're going to lose your first love. Like they were all wrong. They were all wrong. The love that you have for God today, you do not have to let that die. You don't have to water down the gospel. You don't have to change who you are. You can receive the full measure of everything he has for you and then stay in his presence on a regular basis and God will continue to take you from glory to glory, the Bible says. There is no decrease in the kingdom, it's increase. And so from where you are, understand it doesn't matter where it is. I was a broke, basically homeless alcoholic, drug addict with insomnia, and God took me, and now I hang out with people who are giving millions of dollars to our church. This is the reality. It's insane. I walk into rooms, I'm like, why am I here? I don't even understand this. Like in my mind, and it's not like an imposter syndrome thing, it's just a, how do you take the least of all? Because I look at my life, and there is no possible way I should be doing what I'm doing. 
I mean, it's absolutely insane to think that a person like me would be given any influence. I wasted everything, absolutely everything. It's like no exaggeration. I feel like the Apostle Paul sometimes where I'm going, of all the sinners, I was the worst. And then God took me, he came down, he gave me a purpose. And somehow he saw past all the anger I had for my dad. He saw past all the disappointment I had about my mom hitting me when I walked in on drug deals and the times that they left for days at a time and the CPS came and the the police raided our house and all this stuff and all the brokenness in my past. And he looked at me and he said, I've got a leader on my hands. I'm like, why? And it causes you not to think you're special. It causes you to worship. It causes you to stand in awe and say, I don't get it. You're speechless. There's no real theology behind it. Uh, Other than the Bible says that he uses the least of these and you go, okay, so when you give me an open door, I'm going to walk through it. When you give me a responsibility, I'm going to say yes. When you put a person in my life, I'm going to go to battle for him. Whenever you give me a ministry responsibility, I'm going to show up. I think it would be in your best interest to ditch the strategic plan for a while and just fall in love with the Lord because his plans for you are greater than your plans for you. It says that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that you can ask or think. And you're sitting here with coaching calls trying to figure it out. You need to get a prayer life. This is the answer. There's no other solution. It's heaven or earth. That's the solution. And if you can contain that, then show me how to do it. Because right now I'm getting more and more and it's tough for me to handle. I'm trying to figure it all out. Um, I went to prayer over you guys, and I felt like God said this. He said, go and tell them. Go and tell Isla Vista Church that they are born for significance. You're actually born to do something meaningful on the planet. And it does not matter how good you think you are. It doesn't matter how cute you are, how you dress, how, much, how many followers you have, all that stuff. Like God's saying, I'm not measuring that kind of thing. I'm looking at hearts. And I'm saying I want to entrust myself to people that will honor moments and really show up and be present and give it everything they have. Every single thing that God puts his hands to has a reason. There is no meaningless work on the earth for the Lord. Every time he opens his mouth, he intends for something to happen. Every time. Every time he invites you to face a giant, he has already pre-designed a plan for your victory. Every time. Understand what I said, though. It's when he tells you to go to battle. I don't die on every hill. Jesus didn't die on every hill. He died on Calvary. There were a lot of times where he just slipped out of the crowd because it wasn't time. So it's important for you to know your destiny, to know what you're called to do. Um, None of us live meaningless lives, ever. Not one word of scripture will ever come back void. And that is not my promise. That is the word of God. It's not a motivation. It's a reality. And you have access to it through the blood of Jesus. Period. Um, The way that you show up at work in hopeless situations matters. The way that you stare at impossibilities matters. The way that you humble yourselves and serve matters. All of this speaks about this kingdom from another place where you come down and you display the glory of God to the world. Let's go. I haven't got to my verse yet. Like, I just love you guys. I sit back and I think, if I was God in heaven, I look down and, and these people are carrying my very presence. I would think, 
That's a pretty important person. These people have a pretty big calling. I, I think that in my mind, if I was God, I look down, I'm not God, but I would think if I was him and I look down and I release the Holy Spirit to a body of people and say, you're the body, there's no plan B. Jesus is gone, his body was broken. Now he moves in the Holy Spirit here on the earth, right? You're the body. And he says, I didn't actually, there's no other church coming. There's no other like option. From the beginning, in Genesis 3, when we all humanity gave away our authority on the earth, God existed. Jesus existed in the form of God with God and through the word of God has now come through the cross and been given to you to restore it all. And take back everything that belongs to Jesus. Mm. Jeremiah 1, 5 and 10 says this. Before I formed you in the womb, in the womb, I was involved in your life. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah replied after hearing this, he said, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak because I'm a youth. He said, don't say to me because I'm a youth. Don't tell me about your insufficiencies because it's not in your strength that you're doing any of this. He says, do not be afraid of anyone for I am with you to deliver you. He says, then he stretched out his hand, he touched his mouth and he said, behold, I put my word inside your mouth. And I've appointed you this day over the nations, over the kingdoms, to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. Formed means to fashion. It means to create, manufacture. It's the same word that God used in Genesis when he breathed on the dirt and he goes, people, I'm going to breathe on something. And God is going to birth a person out of it. God is going to birth something miraculous out of it. Consecrated now means set apart. So he says, you were born by God. And then I took you from common use. And I said, this is sacred use. And what's sacred use? It doesn't mean that you walk out of the womb with Bible stories on the brain. It means that even though you've got some issues you know that you were born for a specific purpose. And you don't allow your issues to ever stop you from showing up and fulfilling that purpose. Because every day you wake up, you say, Lord, I know I feel worthless, but I also know that's a lie. And I know that you have actually created me for a specific purpose on the earth. And today I'm going to show up according to Ephesians 2, verse 10, and believe that I am your workmanship in Christ Jesus. Prepared beforehand, long ago, for good works that I would walk in them. And I know, Lord, that I was purchased so that my body would glorify you. That's the reason. So if you're wondering, like, why am I alive? It's to glorify God. Why do we worship? To glorify the Lord. 
Why do we witness to people? To glorify the Lord. He said he wanted his house filled. Why do we do anything? Why do we believe for a miracle? To glorify the Lord. It's all to glorify him. It, it, that's it. And when you glorify him, understand that he actually shares his glory with you. That's wild, mind-blowing stuff. You're like, whoa, that's like super charismatic. I'm like, no, it's super Bible. He actually said, I've chose these people to demonstrate my reality here on the earth. And so if you honestly live like a sour, disconnected, cold religious life, you do not look like Jesus. If you don't believe in the impossible, you do not look like Jesus. If you don't, Walk into situations, doing what the Father's saying, saying what the Father's saying, walking in, ready at any moment to pray what he tells you to pray. You're not walking like Jesus. And understand that there are many Christian people that are good people, and they're my friends, and I love them. But understand, not everybody knows that we are the body of Christ, and we're supposed to represent Jesus. I mean, this is so fundamental, but we've missed it. We've totally missed this. Um, man. When you give your life to Jesus, a promise is born within you. It says it's sealed. It's the Holy Spirit of promise. And your life, the entire message of your life is a withdrawal on that promise. It's like there are there's an inheritance stored in here for you. You're seated in heavenly places, the Bible says. And then you come and you show up in whatever situation, it doesn't matter what it is, and your boldness and your faith and your ability to stand in the face of adversity, to hope in hopeless situations, to believe for the impossible. The moment you stand, you say, I'm the body of Christ here in this situation, a withdrawal happens. And that Holy Spirit of promise begins to move in your life. And when things don't happen the way you think they should happen, when it's not moving at your pace, when you're like, man, I've been ready for a wife for five years. You're like, it should have happened by now. What's going on? God says, be patient. It's like an Amazon delivery. From the moment you order it, it goes through a process. <laughs> and it goes from truck to truck to truck to the mailbox. And if you're lucky, they get it right. They're much better than DoorDash, but like... I have no faith in like door deliveries. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's like you order whatever food and you're going, no mustard. They give you extra mustard. Like, I have no faith in this kind of stuff. But know this, that with God, it comes exactly like he's promised it. Um, so don't get discouraged when something is going wrong. Don't get discouraged when you pray. You're like, where's God in my prayers? Where's God in my personal life? Where's God with my dad who's out there using drugs? Or where's God with my friend that I love who's out there hooked on some substance? Or where's God with this application that I've put in to this career that I've been praying over and I've put all my eggs in this basket? Where's he at? Just go to him and trust that his will will get done. And then it gives you the ability to rest. Because as soon as you pray his will, it's not a magic word. It's just the truth that it actually happens. 
John 15 says that when you abide in him and you're talking to him on a regular basis, you will bear fruit. It doesn't say you might. It doesn't say like there's a possibility. It says if you're abiding in Jesus, you will bear fruit. The question is, are you going to believe that? Or are you going to believe all these deconstructed people around who think God still doesn't move like that? I, I realize that I'm representing a deconstructed generation where they're like, we don't want church. We don't want that. We don't want that. It's like, well, what do you have anymore? Like, where's Jesus? You've just dismembered the body. And now you guys are at the pub with no life. Like, the reality is, like, you were born to demonstrate the reality of Jesus on earth. <sighs> thinking about Daniel. Remember, uh, I believe it was Daniel 10, 9 or 10. He um, was on his knees praying for his people. He's interceding. He's saying, Lord, coming to you for my people. I'm coming to you because I, we need your presence. We need you to talk to us over and over and over again. And he was on his knees for, it says, 21 days. And then remember, right at the end of this, he had no clue it was going to take 21 days. It could have took 200 days for all he knows. But on the 21st day, it says that this angel showed up and manifested itself. And then this angel goes, hey, I'm sorry I was late. From the moment you began to pray, a command was issued from heaven and then from that moment, I was dispatched to come to your side. However, this prince of Persia over the nation, which the prince was a principality that was a stronghold over the nation of Persia, began to contend against my arrival as you were praying. And so then he says, but Daniel, guess what? You didn't quit. You stayed there in your prayers as you Hit your knees. Your prayers pulled the presence of God into this prayer closet. And if you would have left it 20 days, you would have walked away deconstructed. You would have walked away wondering, is the God of the Bible still really real? Is all this stuff just a fairy tale? And the problem is that we've been raised in a generation that if it doesn't come right now, we walk away. And God is trying to tell us that, listen, it's about sowing and farming and reaping and seasonal harvest. And he's trying to say, what you pray now may not happen for a year, but don't give up. Stay in it. And the goal isn't to get where you're going. The goal is to walk with Jesus. So as you walk with Jesus, it says, and you delight yourself in the Lord, he will actually give you the desire of your heart. I mean, at one point, I was like, Lord, put me on Warp Tour. <laughs> I just want Warp Tour. You know what I'm saying? I just want to seriously wreck the crowd at Warp Tour. I want to crowd, like this whole thing. And like now all I'm thinking is, Lord, I want to pay my house off. <laughs> How could I be debt free in 10 years? <laughs> my prayers is just so different. But guess what? Jesus has showed up every step of the way. Um, we moved to Ventura seven years ago. And uh, I was a youth pastor for a mega church and doing factory church for a long time. And uh, we were doing like a ministry trip. And I was going, I was the coffee guy that day. So I was going to get like 20 coffees for all these dudes who were doing 
the important work of filming the videos on the pier and all that stuff. And so I was going to get the coffee. And I walk out of Starbucks on Main Street Ventura. And I felt the Holy Spirit actually lift the city I was living in off me. And in response to that, it was the first time I felt, because as a pastor, you feel connected to cities, right? Like, I believe, like, you have a calling for specific cultures. It's like, you guys have a calling to this city. We have a calling to Ventura, you know? And some of that does, you know, obviously, you guys are way more influential than just Santa Barbara or Goleta or Isla Vista. You guys influence a lot of people, but you feel connected as a pastor to cities. So in response to that, when I felt it released from me, I said, Lord, if that's you and you want me to come here, plant a church, confirm it, and I'll move, and I'll give it all my heart, and I'll never look back. I told not a single person, not one soul. Went throughout the day, and in my mind, I have it in my head. I'm going, okay, well, if this is God, we'll see. You know, and go all day. We, we travel around, eat lunch, come back, go to sleep. Next morning, my senior pastor calls me, and he says, Brad, hey, this morning I had something kind of strange happen. He said, I was in prayer. He said, and I saw a vivid picture of you and your wife living in Ventura. Have you ever thought about that? And I was like, uh, yeah. You know, and I told him the story. He goes, well, what can you do? Who would take your spot? And the youth, I said, here's the plan. He goes, all right, we'll go tomorrow and find a place to live. And within three weeks, we had moved. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. Quit everything. The ne- that Wednesday, so that was a Monday. That Tuesday, we found a place to live. That Wednesday, we told the staff, and there's like a staff of like 40 people, and they call them all together, like, we're commissioning Brad to the coast and doing this whole thing. And I'm just kind of like in awe over the whole thing. And I, um, I walk out of the staff meeting. Now, nobody knows. It's all internal. It's me, our pastor, and internal people. I walk out of this meeting, go to like Wednesday night church, and the janitor guy who was cleaning the concrete stops me and he goes, Brad, he goes, come here right now. And he grabs another guy and goes, God's told us to pray for you. And I'm like, prophetic people are crazy. You don't know what they're going to say. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, he could like, I, I'm sorry for like cussing at that driver on the freeway. I don't know what I did. Like, <laughs> anyways, I'm like, I don't know what I'm getting into. So anyways, he comes, he says, I want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to picture the coast. He said, as far as you can see from the east to the west, the Lord has expanded your ministry. He's commissioning you to the coast. This man knew nothing, nothing. The next several weeks, I had people calling me with dreams. We see you on this hillside, pastor in this community by the ocean. We see you with multiple services of people. We see you, you know, with like, we just, we've had crazy stuff. I mean, probably it was so heavy that I was just crazy enough to think that you move and all of a sudden revival comes. And what actually happened was I moved, church didn't grow. My pastor said, move back or lose your job. And I chose to go get another job. And so all these dreams and all this stuff came crashing down in a moment. I lost my family, lost my pastor, lost, like my church family, lost my best friends. Everybody left, all these staff members who their paychecks would get revoked if they didn't leave, took off and left. And I'm here with my girls and a promise. And I had a choice to make. Am I going to believe what God said in spite of my circumstances? Is God true or is he a liar? I feel like sometimes in our generation, it's like God's schizophrenic. It's like 
Monday is saying go to Africa, and Tuesday is saying go to Kansas, or Wednesday is saying go in here. It's like, what did he say over your life? Because it's not glorifying God for you to sound crazy all the time. Like, root yourself and know what he said to you. The Bible says to be rooted, strengthened, and established. We always want another voice, and we avoid the scriptures. It's like we got to get back to the word. What does he actually say? You know, I, um, about four years ago, we finally, a small group of people, we had a small prayer meeting going as this deconstructed church relationship was happening and all this. We just felt the release in prayer that it was time to start a church. And I was working at the rescue mission at the time. And to be honest, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a staff pastor anymore. I wasn't sure that I wanted like career ministry or any of that. I just knew that I had to go back and uncover all those wells of revival that he had spoke over me three or four years ago. I had to go and like all the dirt and the mess and everything that was in those wells, I had to go back and clear them out. And I had to go sit for a second and say, did you really say this or was I going crazy? And he confirmed it. And we started the church with like a handful of people. First year, I mean, we grew fast. It was like 30 people in the first year. And, uh, but we had so much fun. We were learning how to worship without people. I was learning how to preach to five or 10 people as though I was preaching to five or 10,000. I learned how to stand. And we stopped. I mean, it was so depressing. We stopped counting people. Like you, like, you know, sometimes, like, maybe this church doesn't, but some churches, they, uh, they, like, count, like, people in seats. I'm like, stop counting. It's so depressing. I'm trying to keep my faith right now. <laughs> like, the numbers we were losing, it was like, they're just coming and going so fast. Like, we're just going, can we just focus on the presence of Jesus and that's it? And um, finally got to a place where everybody said, we need a full-time pastor. So either you or someone else, but we all vote we think it's you. And I said, okay. And so I went to prayer. And God, through a series of prophetic words, it was given. And I said yes. And that was late 2019, about six months before the whole world shut down in COVID. (laughs) We had a choice to make. Did God (laughs) say what he said all those years ago? Or am I going to let this whole organization die and just stay in my house and let it all fall apart. We ended up doing probably something you guys would do. We just went out on the beach and started worshiping in the open air with an acoustic guitar. Um, Some weeks we were surrounded by police. Other weeks we were peace. We were at peace with the world. (laughs) It was just roll the dice. You don't know how it's going to go. But it was never a political movement. It was just Jesus. We're just like, man, we we just love the Lord, and we have to stand for something, and that's him. And so we did that, and the church multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. A year and a half after meeting outside at a park and at the beach for a year and a half, the church had become two or three hundred, and it was growing. And we get a call from the mayor of the city who said, hey, I heard about your church, and I heard you need a place to go, and I heard you're waiting on this building with the city and all this stuff. He said, how would you like it if I went and contacted the Ventura Theater for you, which is the biggest concert venue in the city? I said, 
I mean, that'd be cool, whatever, you know? And he goes, can I negotiate on your house? I said, please. And so we hang up the phone. I call the prayer team. I'm going, pray right now. We can get the Ventura Theater. Pray right now. Because I had called years ago, and it was $10,000 an event. And I was going, there's no way. So if this guy pulls this off, uh, hope he knows we're broke, and we're just like an organic startup church. And so anyway, that night I get the call, and he says, Hey, Brad, I've got good news. He goes, uh, I talked to Loanne, the manager. They're happy. They want to do some new stuff in the theater. They think it's going to be cool. They want to include a faith element to it. Uh, I think it's a deal. Do you want to start next week? I go, how much is it? He goes, well, we tried to find a number that would be good for you, mutually beneficial. He goes, can you afford $500 a Sunday? I go, Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus. I call everybody. We were supposed to have a prayer meeting, but I think it turned into a worship meeting that night. We're just like celebrating. We're like, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And in this process, like right before we entered into this theater, I had, uh, I had been given a drawing by my daughter. She came up. I was in the middle of worship. And from kids' ministry, she gave me this drawing of this crown. Right? It was the most beautiful thing. She said, Dad, I made this for you. And when she handed it to me, the Holy Spirit said, James 1.12. And I was going, okay, what's James 1.12? It says, blessed are those who persevere under trial, because when they've been approved, they will be given the crown of life. Um, I had never really understood what that was, how that was all going to come together, but I knew it was from the Lord. And then I walk into the, the majestic Ventura Theater, and right above the stage, there was a crown. It's like God said, I saw you stand with nothing. I saw when you were, you had no power, you had no money, very little influence. But you had that promise. I saw you hold on to it. I saw that you were unwavering. And you were slow to speak even whenever you were insecure about it. You just held it all and you said, I don't know. There's something back there. He said something. Something good's coming. He said, I saw that. And now I'm going to actually put you in a place to display my kingdom. And we've been there now a year and a half. It's wild. And this thing is blown up. But I just want to release that to you. You were born for something very, very, very important. If I was you, like if I had two years to live, if I had two years to live, I would spend the first year praying, trying to figure out what to do the second year. I wouldn't walk around like a crazy person. I would like be very intentional. Okay, first year, I'm really just going to pray and press in and figure out what the rest of my life is supposed to be. And until he spoke, I would not move. You got to wait on the Lord. Don't just run after every opportunity. Wait until he opens doors. Wait until he speaks to you. There's going to be a lot of opportunities, especially when you're young, where people are going to say, oh, I've been, I'm supposed to disciple you, or hey, this church over here has a better whatever, or whatever. Wait until the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And when he speaks to you, stand on it and don't move when it gets hard. Stay there and wait, because it will come. If it's from God, there's a better chance of the sun not rising in the morning than it is for his word to fail you. So stand on it. I'm going to pray over you guys. Can you, we're going to enter worship. Sorry for going a little over. I just wanted to flow with it. Um, just put your hands out like this. 
Jemmy, my associate pastor over there, she saw this picture of just this multiplication of bread being passed out to generations of people and multitudes of people. When she was back in the back room just right now worshiping, she came up, she said it just kept flowing and there was this like rising people that were, and there was just so much bread just flowing through the hands and she said the bread was Jesus. It was him and there was more than enough for everybody. Lord, I ask that you would deliver on every promise in every person's life in this room. Every single word that you've spoke over their life will come to pass. Lord, you know that I made a covenant with you when I said, Lord, if you do what you do, I will spend the rest of my life telling people they can trust you. So I'm telling you today, you can trust the Lord. He's trustworthy. He's not like all the other people who have failed you or let you down. He wants to rebuild your trust in him. And so don't give up. Hold on to it. And if you don't know what you want to do yet, I'm going to ask, Lord, that you would just release word after word to confirm exactly what you're doing individually in each person's life. I feel like sometimes when you're young, like, we don't quite connect with everything all at once, and so we dismember ourselves from the body because we're like, well, it doesn't all make sense for me, or I'm this person, or I'm that person. I feel like God's saying, just trust me. Like, you don't have to figure it out. Jesus didn't say, understand me. He said, follow me. So thank you, Lord, for being God, and thank you that we just get to be followers and enjoy your presence. Thank you for Isla Vista Church. I pray that this church would just be a light in the city. I ask you to increase their influence, that you would give them more glory and more faith than they've had, Lord, that they would carry a measure in the new season that they're stepping into that they've never had before. Lord, I thank you for the rest that Jason's had and that Holly and the family have had and for all their kids and for the way that they're going to come back on fire for Jesus, leading this ministry. Thank you for Mark and Danny and all the leadership. Thank you, Lord, for the humility of this church. Thank you that they are built super strong and that you have a huge plan for them. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this family for one night. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys very much. I love you.